You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, folks. Welcome back to the latest Mountain Swire podcast. I said podcast, not football podcast. You know what, folks? It's been a while. We're doing a basketball show. Woo! So we have our, yes, over there we have our buddy Andy Dykoff doing stuff for us on the uh, college front. So it's been a while since we chatted, but we got plenty of news. So how's it been the past while? Oh, you know, I think it's the same as everybody, right? <laughs> just kind of uh, making it through these weird times and just kind of waiting to see what's going to what's gonna happen and what's going to shake out with everything sports related and I guess everything related. Exactly. Yeah, you got everything going on. But like basketball, that's what we're here for. You've written a couple of stuff. Yeah. Here's what we're doing today. Basketball show. It's been a while, so if you're open for a football show, yeah, we got we got others coming up here, so we'll be good. There'll be more. Oh man, I click I want to click on your profile on our website, but we've gone through migration and something weird happened. So let me backtrack here. Um I was gonna mention something. But we have basketball, maybe, because the Mountain West stop or is not doing football, is not doing any fall sports essentially. No word on basketball yet, but what we do kind of know, the NCAA came out the other day with some projected dates. So what are we looking at for like the starting points here? Because they, they put out a handful. Our buddy Larry did a quick piece on it. Like, here's the dates they're looking at. Yeah, so it looks like we've got four potential start dates uh, for the season. This is uh, reported from, I think, on the 27th. So that would have been, what, Thursday? Yeah, let's get our dates out because uh, this is a day-to-day yeah. situation here, right. people. <laughs> Option one would be to start practice on September 29th and start the season on November 10th. Now, that's the original yeah. start date. So, as you ask you, that's yeah. Yeah. The second option uh, would be to start practice on October 9th and then start the season on November 20th. Um, I don't think that one's gotten very much support right now, but that is the second option. The third option, which I guess is the top contender, would be to start practices on October 14th and then start the season on November 25th. And then the last option is to start practices all the way on October 25th and then start the season on December 4th. And that's apparently the second most popular option. Yeah, it looks like also we should note, uh, hey, maybe we should podcast a day later. There's a meeting August 31st. To a, between the men's and women's side to kind of see what's going to be done for like looking at models and there's going to be a vote on September 16th. These are also fluid because as we noticed during the summer that um, the NCAA, I guess who covers the championships, was debating or pushing back. All right, this date we'll vote later. We'll vote this date. We'll vote this date. Hopefully yeah. that's not your basketball because if you think about it, the start date, November 10th, it's not far away. We're sitting here at the end of August, a week, just over a week from Labor Day. It takes about what are these these practice dates or what three weeks of practice time essentially some are some are a month it looks like just about but they need at least five weeks to get going and so if they're going to start the original start time which we'll see because there's no Ivy League we'll get to the Pac-12 as of, as of now they're reconsidering possibly but January first start date there's are there any other leagues I there's so much going on that fall stop fall sports I think Patriot League or because basketball is a winter sport it's not a fall sport. 
Right. Those are the two leagues that come to mind. If there's another, if there are any other that have confirmed no basketball, until, uh, you know, in 2020, I'm not sure uh, which one. So I think the, I know the Pac-12 and the Ivy are the two that are on on record right now. Okay, that's what that's what I thought. I was just looking through yeah. because it's everybody's like, "Well, wait and see." Because and again, this thing's changing day by day. And one of the biggest things that changed recently, it's the testing because that's a big deal. Like COVID nineteen, don't want to get players tested, or you want to get them tested, don't get sick. And if you see, we've seen how it's worked in the NBA and not worked at MLB or worked at NHL and WNBA, where if you're confined to an area, you get tested enough, you should be fine. Because I don't think there's been an NBA test an issue in like the whole time. Like I don't think I'd, maybe the first week. I, that's about yeah, it, maybe. Was, I, I think there was some stuff the first week, um, but but yeah, I think it's been been pretty clear. And it sounds like from you know what like Mark Emmert uh, and Dan Gavitt, people like that, are saying is that they're using the NBA and the WNBA as a model for how they might be able to do a bubble on their end for the NCAA season. When that bubble might, might come into effect is not really clear, but. Uh, you know, yeah, it seems like the NBA is doing a pretty good job of that, and I think the WNBA is as well. Yeah, and so with the testing, there's something recently because we also Big Ten football is considering what their <laughs> whatever you want to call it, expletive show, whatever it might be. It's terrible. It's going on because nobody's on the same page. Because <laughs> think about it, the Mountain West, no peep. Everybody seems to be on the same page. Pac-12, MAC, any school or league that's saying we're shutting it down, they've been on the same page. Big Ten's like we're going to sue you here. We're going to go play a random off game versus North Dakota state or something. So the thing they bring it back up, there's this testing again. It's a week by week thing to rely. Cause we, dude, we talked about this back in February. Remember that? Like it's coming through. What are we going to do? We talked about this uh, six, yeah. six months ago. It's crazy. But the te- like there's testing now. You know, we, yeah, oh, go, no, go ahead. You thought that they, well, I was just going to say that you thought it was going to be a much clearer picture of uh, what's going on. And I think that's what everybody who has to make these decisions has been banking on too is that we're going to have clarity on this COVID-19 situation and we still don't really have that the way that we need it to make important decisions about everybody's health so yeah I think now that we're here in August and you're seeing you know well we had our first college football game was it the last first night football game last night yeah, yeah. there's a, what Austin P and somebody else there's a college football game I watched a little bit of that first play 70 something yard speed option loved it Give me more. <laughs> I, I missed it. I didn't actually see. That's all. I, that's all I saw. Uh, but, that's the only play I saw. So, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but like here in Utah, like we had the first high so, school games in the country a couple weeks ago. There's been some games canceled here and there, but the main thing is, is that rapid testing that that's come out. Like if it's if you don't send it to a lab, if it's cheap, that's a big thing. Five to ten bucks a test. If that's reliable at home, no lab send off. Like I was uh, doing something the other day for some other radio. It's like you could do everyday testing before practice. You could do an hour before, right before you travel. When you like every day, essentially, like an hour before tip off, you could know who's available to play or not play in any any sport. Tip off, kick off, whatever. First pitch, like if that testing's reliable, that would allow. Like we'll get to our bubble plans, but that might allow just to kind of do live as normal as possible on campus because these athletes, as we know. They usually eat together. They usually are roommates. They are not yeah. not off by themselves, but for the majority of their classes, not that they're all in the same classes, but they're typically off by themselves. They have the same tutor if they're doing extra work or just need makeup or just study sessions, I should say. That's probably the best term to when they're out of town on trips and stuff. So it's like they're, and all that's probably virtual anyways, like with their um, 
student, whatever you want to call it, tutor, assistant, whatever, lab assistant, all these classes, they're already kind of off by themselves as it is. And so this type of testing could allow them and schools as well because you see what Notre Dame's happened, Alabama, Auburn, Rutgers, Michigan State. They have plenty of schools that have the student population come back and like North Carolina specifically. It's like, oh, crap, too many people getting sick. But this type of testing could allow – it would be good for everybody, like you and me to go yeah. do stuff more often. Like you still right. do your other stuff. You have your mask. You're still not – chilling in big crowds, you're not doing things like that. But if you can be tested before you go to work every day, I'm like, oh, I'm good to go. Not a big deal. Have symptoms, you test more or something. But that could be a way for basketball to be done. But I don't know. Part of it is the reliability of those tests, which we're not 100% sure. Because we've seen like early on, there is the uh, test to to the, uh, hey, did I have COVID-19? And there was like maybe a uh, 50-50 reliability rate I'm looking for. Like they'd do at home. Like that's great. Do I know if I had it? Do I have any immunity? that wasn't really reliable. And so it's like, hopefully this is the case. If that is great, you can bring back more stuff in sports. But for basketball, I don't I don't think they're going to – I don't. well, first off, we don't know, right, if they're going to do that yeah. or not. Like if they're going to just kind of try to plan at it as is. I'm thinking right now, like forget the start dates, but I'm guessing all the Feast Week, Maui, all that stuff is not going to happen. It would be <laughs> – yeah, probably not the same way anyway. I think we – I mean the way that they're talking about it though is that they are looking for after Thanksgiving is kind of a target start date because that's when you're going to have a lot of those campuses empty. Yes. Right, You're going to have a lot of students going home. Uh, so they're right now targeting that after Thanksgiving. So we might have kind of a different type of feast week. I know that uh, um, there's one potential proposal from – Rossi Karen Caron. I don't know if I'm saying the name right, uh, but it's a person in Houston who has been running events, uh, college basketball events, looking for a 20 team event to, uh, for non-conference play over three weeks between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And I think that would be pretty cool. I don't, you know, it wouldn't be the same kind of Maui Invitational Feast Week, all that stuff, but it would be pretty cool. Yeah, that totally could happen because. Like the athletic, we read that piece a while back. They're looking at there's two couple of thoughts. Like it may not be a feast week. I don't know if you can get the same teams, but they were doing more of a like travel. Honestly, travel doesn't really matter. It does, I guess, a little bit in college basketball because smaller conferences don't have the budget to fly on their own, and busing too far is not right. ideal. But have that's why they'd have regional hubs. Like they had a couple of West Coast, like Denver, I think Salt Lake, Seattle, a couple in Southern California, Northern California. Vegas, mm-hmm. I think, was one as well, where they could. That, I mean, you may not be playing. Like, isn't um? I know this because of Freddie, which I should at the moment. Isn't UNLV or San Diego State in the Maui this year? I want to say UNLV. Uh, sorry, I, I didn't. UNLV or San Diego State in the what now? Are, I, I didn't quite hear you. Are, are they in Maui? Isn't there one Mountain West team in Maui? I thought. Oh yeah, I should have that up. <laughs> we'll look later. But the point being, those type of tournaments, maybe they'll be branded as such, but it's really true. Like okay. You're out west. Let's mix up like the WAC, the Mountain West, the Pac-12. Um, whatever things got out west. We got a um, West Coast Conference. Have Big West. Have those like where it's a non-conference because there's enough good teams to get some good games. Like if you were to take, and I don't want it to make like a tiered thing would be kind of cool. Like the top three projected, maybe Ken Palm or something, or coaches poll top three from all these big conferences go together. But I'd rather mix it up. But yeah, it'd be cool to see. Yeah, like Arizona, San Diego State, or some of the top teams like Gonzaga coming in and play San Diego State or Nevada or Utah State or something like that. But I think if they mix it up, you could do that type of thing where you have a Texas region, Houston, Dallas, San Antonio, 
and you bring teams within the area where there's still enough diversity because that's going to be a problem in college football when they if if when the playoff goes off it's hard to judge when you're just playing against your own conference peers but in basketball I, I like the idea in Houston if you go for three weeks that's kind of one of the plans I had maybe not non-conference but conference but you go somewhere for a month you play I get it they're in schooling but if you can do it where it's kind of not in school like you said for that three week period from like say Thanksgiving even longer maybe even like honestly, maybe even Thanksgiving to Christmas, Thanksgiving to New Year's, maybe have kind of a tiered couple starts early, start later. Maybe even, maybe even to the first week of January, because most campuses I believe don't start till middle of January, anyways. I don't know how many start the first week after New Year's. So you could do two sets of them. Not that your team's play, that particular team's playing group like your tournament one, tournament two, but you can have multiple teams in there and just kind of play throughout. Because what do teams have? Was like ten non-conference games typically fifteen. Yeah, usually about you know ten, ten to ten to fifteen somewhere yeah. in there, and then round that out with yeah about sixteen to twenty, 20. conference games. I get about thirty-two yeah, games or so. Right. But yeah, that could be great. Like yeah. if you were to have like Long Beach State, San Diego State, um, Washington State, you know what I mean, like Grand Canyon or whatever. Like that, I think that could work well. Where you get some non-conference games, you have to reschedule, but you can play games like every three days. Like play five games in two weeks, which is slightly more than they normally play and you knock that out in three weeks and play 15 or what five games in two weeks it, or you could do like gary paris like every other day get him out there and play it doesn't matter <laughs> but like if you can get those games in like 10 games like f- like say five games in two weeks that's what three weeks or 15 games are done yeah i think well and i think that would be important too just to get i mean if you can do it in a way that keeps everybody safe right that's obviously the most important thing but if you can do that in a way that keeps everybody, you know, at least relatively safe within, you know, whatever acceptable mm-hmm. risk margins, I think it's important just to give – it's going to make the NCAA tournament selection process so much better if you have that non-conference context to be able to refer to. Because without that, you're going to be really having a difficult time saying, okay – is the West Coast Conference better than the Mountain West this year? How do you know if they're only playing each other? So I think whatever needs to happen to get a few of these non-conference games, as long as it can be done safely, I think you know all the options should be on the table. Or counter to that, it would be amazing to make a larger term like we'll get to later. <laughs> we well, out. yeah, that's fair. But no, also like we have we've seen like the Baylor Gonzaga game is scheduled at some point. How's that going to be? Are there is there going to be a Turn like I could see. I remember listening to Gary Parish a lot because he's super smart and everything it seems like he talks about. Like, listen to that CBS podcast, him and Matt Norlander. There could be like a kind of a champions type of tournament, like in a big, like they always have the coaches versus cancer. Like, it's there's a handful of tournaments that are like, if you play two games, but it's like four really good teams. Or the Maui's typically, most of the teams are pretty good. Like, I could see that where maybe they do two sets. Like, that'd be pretty cool. Like, I mentioned the top of the Mountain West or Pac 12 and west coast but like get it get it, get places set up your schedule could be kept in place a little bit like i know wyoming and arizona are scheduled not to play at the moment but the pac-12 if they make a change that could come back on i know there's buy games you could to consider and you're not going to buy games out because the point of buy game is you sell at the arena to sell those tickets to make the money back in fourfold by bringing in some miac or swack or patriot league type team ivy league team to pay them 80 grand when you're going to make 200 grand on ticket sales and hot dogs <laughs> so they could do like right. a, a thing like that where that would be fun as well they could like if if they play like i mentioned depending on the start date but like you don't throw your non-conference schedule out the window but if there's a way to 
it would take work, and they better be working on it now because you see how some of the college football is like, oh, yeah, we don't want it to, we didn't want to play in the spring in case it got leaked out. I'm like, shut up. You should make every play impossible, right? It's like, there's no point. Yeah. But you could look and see common opponents, get them together possibly, or do, like, just, there's a million ideas I'm thinking about here, but like, common opponents, okay, get them together, that'd be a good idea. The money would be weird you have to help them out because, like, you can still do the buy stuff. Like, you don't want to go to these tournaments and go, like, 0 4 or lose all these games. And so, how, why would you not? Like, they mentioned, what is it? Uh, where, where's Belmont? Tennessee? Yes. Yeah. They mentioned yeah, specifically, exactly. specifically, there's like, you could be walking on that campus and, we'll go, I think, we'll wander into Vanderbilt and not even know it. And so, like, there could be right. places like that. Right, if you're right, close, right. like, buy, pay these teams to come out, like, you pay for testing, but bring in a teams that are. So it's a mix of you'll give Belmont, those dogs at Belmont to play Kentucky to beat them, to play them. Kentucky's probably going to win. But it'll give Belmont a chance to get a good resume builder if somehow there is a miraculous upset for these low major teams. Or I would hate that term, but you know what I mean? Like teams on bigger conferences, more recognizable names. That could that could be one way as well. You bring in a mix where, let's say you have a handful of whatever teams and a top, a top great teams. And so you could have those mid-teams play against each other, get some wins, but also have the chance to play higher teams. So there's a million different ways to do it. Or just take, let's get six, like a mini NCAA tournament. Like how great would that be if you take, here's the top 16 teams in the first AP poll, let's go stick you somewhere for a month and play. and then Like a kind of a preseason NIT almost. Yeah, something like that. That'd be cool. Like get some good teams together. Like there are some ways to make college basketball. Like I've said a million times, this is the time, we, this is what's going on. Everything should go. Any crazy idea you have is probably not a bad idea. It may not work, but bring everything out there because how like they already do the Big Ten Pac-12 Challenge. They could do a conference challenge, like bring four conferences together and mix it up and play. Right. Like, how wouldn't that be amazing to see this type of stuff? I think it would be great, and, and I think it would really help a lot. Again, in terms of giving context and know you know which how to judge these conferences against each other and to give these teams chances to play other you know, other teams outside of their league. Cause you know, what is, you've got some of these leagues that have, you know, one team that's just going to run right through everybody. And it's, you know, what are they going to learn? What are they going to be able to get through that? And then they're going to get to the NCAA tournament, you know, whatever weird NCAA tournament we have based off of that. And then they're going to just flame out because, you know, they haven't really played anybody. They haven't had a chance to warm up against anybody outside of their conference. And, yeah, it just seems like it would be a, a weird kind of a season, and, and you have time still to figure it out. Yeah. like Which is the good thing. What would you learn from an 18, like either 16 to 20, who knows they play more games, 16 to 0 to 20 to 0, Gulf Coast or Florida Gulf Coast, a Bucknell, <laughs> and Alcorn State, you know what I mean? Or like even in the Missouri Valley where it's a not a high, like it's still a good commerce, but not above. Like, what do you learn from. Uh, 18 no um, Grand Canyon. You know what I mean? Not much. Like the leagues yeah. where they run through it all, like the Mexico State or Grand. Like your point's valid. It's like that's where we'll get to our stuff in the like the tournament stuff. But you gotta. I think basketball's easier to be done. Cheaper, fewer people. What do you need for a team? Twenty max, if that. Like you have your team of probably twelve guys. Yeah, I think. What do you think a travel group would be? Twenty about twenty, and maybe you have a something like that. A support staff, like a medical staff, that's for everybody essentially. Like maybe they're local or something where, or each team, I don't know, maybe you want your own guys, medical guys there anyways, but 20 something people at most, like you can fill out Vegas. You can walk everywhere. You can go to Minneapolis and walk underground everywhere. You don't have to see the sky, sky of day <laughs> in, in all the underground tunnels or Indianapolis. They got the combine. Like 
there this would be a great idea like my ideal scenario like after us chatting about it what i wrote about before my one of my ideas for conference play was just stick them together you get it done in like 10 weeks you start like in late Jane, early january and then you build into a conference tournament as well so you're there i get their school and students but maybe but like your like your idea like during when not school that could cut out a chunk of time but i think you could see do you think there could be three bubble areas could be feasible? Like three, you do a, a like a non-conference one, two non-conference ones, and a conference one where the conference tournament is included at the tail end of that. Is that too much to ask? Or is that too costly? Is that too weird? I think it might be a lot to ask just in terms of the the student part of the student. Oh yeah, that's right. The student expert. <laughs> Right, they are students. Now, they, yes. it's funny. It brings to mind uh, a suggestion um, a, a buddy, Brian Ralph, uh, brought up the other day when in a, in a chat was to have have the student-athletes actually major in their sports rather than, you know, having to have some sort of academic major. So then at that point, you wouldn't really have to worry about it, right? They'd be out on their, you know, their midterms or their mm-hmm. their, uh, their their conference project, right? But yeah, I think as long as they're in actual academic programs, having them out in this bubble focused so much on school for, you know, 10 weeks at the start of a new term might be, that might be a little difficult to pull off. But I do like the idea logistically from just a purely sports aspect of, you know, getting it done. But I think it could be difficult for the students to, you know, to actually pull that off and keep keep the grades up even in a you know, hybrid or, you know, an all distance learning scenario. Hear me out here. I get a radical okay. idea. All right. If those who like school and these are student athletes, I get it. Here's the thing. NSA is basically good. Basically not fair. So going to give everybody an extra year of eligibility. Like seniors come back. They're not, they don't get, they don't go get a cap. They can come back and play another year if they want for a sport like basketball, not just basketball, maybe other sports too. I'm not sure, but uh, let's just think of basketball because it's a moneymaker sport and hopefully it makes money this year with the tournament, but let them go through the first semester right now as normal. And, and if you're right, if you make, because by the time they start, it's the end of the term. They're already doing classes. It's already kind of virtual. They're not really going to campus, but why not make second semester? You get a free pass. Essentially you don't, there's no school essentially. I know that's weird and probably not what people want to hear. Like if you're on campus and stuff for regular students, but why not? And then they just, they typically all go to summer school anyways. Like with that, I know it's, it sounds, it's a pretty extreme idea because of their first school. They, they should be working toward a degree, but with what's going on and money's a big deal. Like the money also, we know it's not just for basketball and other sports. It goes back to university as well and other means and manners That's to pay, pay for stuff. And so would it be the end of the world for January to May? These guys just do basketball. Like so, you're saying like re- relax the take academic. a semester off. Like you don't Rel- go to school at all. You're just doing basketball because it, it's. I know it's wild, but yes, that's my point. Where you do this semester currently as normal. I don't know if teams are on quarter systems or whatever. Maybe they can do a second quarter, but like yeah, some sort of relaxing or not taking or. Now, would you have would you have to be an existing student already on the team, or don't, can I just well, like come on? Don't, a, what is this? All we're not bringing some you're all star. Yeah. Come on, okay. what is this? Well, hey, I don't know. You know, I'm just you, you have know, to be eligible to play. Be the devil's advocate. Here. No, I hear it. No, no, that's perfectly okay. fine. You have to be eligible through this, like typical eligibility. And if you if this is to be done, you would be you'd have to require them to go to summer school. I see. 
Like, I don't, I'm just thinking of ideas because if they're out on the road for two months, like, this could also be done for baseball as well because baseball is a long season. They start basically the same time as other sports and the same thing. Other sports would be more expensive. But I'm, I, I'm just thinking of ideas. If if the idea is to have an NCAA, full NCAA tournament, recoup whatever money you can because nobody's getting ticket sales. And who knows what will happen in February, March, tournament-wise, sure. people, conference in general. But, I hey, like I said earlier, I'm throwing any and all ideas out there. You may think it's bad. That's fine. But if people complain about these are students in school and stuff, like if they want to do online classes or distance learning, go for it and do it. But maybe relax some of these restrictions because typically you have to have 12 credits to play to be eligible because that's a full-time student. Right. I I don't know. We're in weird times and you got to make exceptions. They could have – here's the thing. They'd have to make that up by summer. So like by the time they're el- for next to be eligible, they'd have to do – depending if you're a senior or not, whatever, either you have to, I'll put it this way. If you're on track to graduate and you graduate by next season, you're good to go, or you're going to make up those 12 credits by fall. So what if they don't? Do you just, you know, you're ineligible for champ. No, you're ineligible for a semester or something. You can't play. Yeah. But, but if you're saying, you know, they've got to go forward and make them up, you know, we're, we're we're fronting them the eligibility basically. (laughs) They're going to come back and, and uh, if they, if they don't, fulfill that 12 credits or whatever they needed to, to get then you go back and for the last season you know you put even more asterisks all over the 2020 <laughs> hey stuff. if you want to help the enforcement arm the NCAA go ahead I'm just thinking of ideas to Fair. make it work but no I get your point like that it could be a slippery thing like guys just I'm done I'm going pro which is fun which they can do anyways like there's except if you're going pro that's fine you don't have to make it up I'm saying if you're going to be back next year to play you have to I would like I don't think that's unreasonable to say, hey, you got to make sure you're still eligible and do have twelve. Basically, it gives you more time to get to twelve credits. Maybe that's a better way to put it. So maybe you are extended. I don't know how many guys these do summer school. A lot of them do, but maybe let them go through. Give them like, it, you know what I'm saying? Like the time crunch is there to get all that. It's kind of hard, even though they're sitting around in the bubble, whatever may do in hotel and practice. There's time to do it. But right, I'm just like try- let them take an incomplete, basically. Well, not even incomplete, but maybe allow them to go at their own pace, and you have to have it done by Memorial Day or something. Because most college campuses are done early May. Just give them a little bit extra time to get it done. Where maybe it's trunk, not truncated, but the, let's just say they do a bubble. Th- let's just let's just say season goes as typical through first week of April. Anybody who's playing college basketball. Maybe they give them an extra month to get all the work done because they're sitting in the bubble and are traveling more. But I don't know. I'm just I'm thinking of ideas where, like, the people complain about students. But then again, if it's all online virtual, you could do that anywhere. And you could be in your hotel room or the lobby or wherever doing your class on these days. But I know athletes get people like, well, athletes get that, all these breaks true. and special times. But I'm just, there's a million different ways to do it. But if it's all online, there's no need to do this plan. But if they're in person more often than not or their school is, I could see giving them some sort of exception to still don't give them like what I did, just take it off. Maybe that's a bit too extreme, but give them until an extra month added on to the end of the semester to get it done. Yeah. Well, I think that's why, you know, looking at these times where there's most schools are going to be out too that early part of December, looking at, Makes that, sense. Yeah. At, you know, maybe the spring, spring break as well, looking at late May, early June, even as like a really far off time. I don't think anybody in the NCAA really wants to look at that as a possible time for the tournament. I think they really want to have it in March, but if you're looking at, you know, spring break is a time maybe mm-hmm. where people will be out 
off, you know, off campus or they'll have a no break school between classes. Right. You'll, you know, you can look at doing bubbles in those times, I think a lot more easy, easily than you can do it during the school year. Cause I think even if you logistically, you might be able to, you know, dot all the I's and cross all the T's like you have, <laughs> I think you're still going to get a lot of pushback from people saying, Hey, why are we, why are we working so hard to mm-hmm. kind of make all these concessions for sports when these are supposed to be students first? And I think you're going to see a lot of infighting and, and a lot of things you know, coming coming out of that. I'm not saying that it can't happen. I'm just saying that I think it could cause kind of a, a bit of a firestorm around it if you start keeping athletes, you know, it's one thing complaining about bringing athletes onto campus and, and risking their health there, but now it's sending athletes away from campus for, forever could also cause a, a firestorm. Who knows? Here's what I'll say about that. Have you, there's a New York Times article I, have, I saved, I haven't read yet. But it's um, mm. I, I think it's in the same vein, it's in the same scenario. Like you've probably heard about, because uh, in college you got roommates and stuff, and that's kind of hard to uh, maneuver and get whatever. There's a million different things with it, especially now getting make sure you're safe or sick. But there's people, kids, who are when their schools are distance learning, like oh, I can't. Your home Wi-Fi, it's not working well enough, or it's just uh, you don't want to deal with it because you're with your parents or whatever and siblings at your school. But there's groups of students who <laughs> are either going to the same school or friends they just know are going to let's go run a house run a house in Malibu for the semester. Let's go to the Caribbean. Let's go to an awesome place and they'll do distance learning from there for the semester where it's cheaper, better internet. They don't have to go to their small town like State College, Pennsylvania, you know what I mean? Or Logan, Utah, some small right, towns right, right. to go play to go to their schooling. And so I don't that is a bit different, but not really. If it's all distance learning, who cares where you do it from? So I, I'm going to read it because it seems fascinating. Like these four, whatever you get, four roommates. So let's go to a fun place. And it's, it's like uh, you just got like who wouldn't want to do their work overlooking the Pacific Ocean or some resort town if you go skiing. You know what I mean? Like in where I'm at, it's like I, people might want to go up to Park City just to chill. We're right by the ski, ski slopes. Our, our normal schooling is somewhere else, but we're going to hang out here for the semester and – cheaper rent cheaper than paying school fees and dorm fees and meal fees and stuff and like that if your school's online i don't care where you do it so these basketball players it would make more sense like you said around spring break i know every spring break's different but you can kind of work with it maybe make some tweaks to where at least athletes get they do all the time for finals and tests especially basketball during these tourneys like if it could be not anywhere why Maybe my plan of skipping school the fall semester, spring semester doesn't apply, but the article is fascinating. <laughs> I read the little bit, like, but they're going to overseas, they're going to Europe, they're going everywhere with their friends. They're like, let's go take a vacation, but we still can get our schoolwork done in just some one once, once in a lifetime, whatever type of scenario where, yes, we go to school in Norman, Oklahoma, but let's go hang out in Las Vegas for the, for the semester <laughs> or go somewhere that's awesome weather, a better view, or somewhere I've never been before for six months. Yeah, I mean, it's I guess yeah, when when you put everything online, it really does open up I think uh some more avenues. Um yeah, if you are looking at people being in person for these classes, it does make the bubble scenario right a lot harder, but if you are if everything is online, maybe it's not the craziest idea to to have people like you said go to a central location and and do their school from there for a little while while they're working, you know, working towards the conference tournament or working towards March Madness, whatever it is, you know, 
um, they can maybe pull off both. So, I think yeah, because like if your idea is not so ridiculous. Yeah, because if you're at school and you're doing virtual and you're on campus, like, well, what's the difference of doing it anywhere else? <laughs> That's why. So maybe the bubble doesn't matter. Right. It's just a cost thing. That's all it would be. And maybe there could be a way. Well, this might be way out there, but uh, that's I don't want to get into that. That's a bit too much. But I think if you can get a hold get a hold of your teacher the same way, you're within the hour of the time zone because you're not going to be sending the Mountain West bubble out to Orlando or out to Charlotte or out to Austin. It's going to be out west somewhere. Probably most likely if right. they do it like Vegas or they could do it maybe even Salt Lake City Denver area because you got a like handful of schools Denver yeah, yeah. with all the four schools in the area. But yeah, it could be done. But I like it. Like so. Do you have an ideal plan for like league play of how it would play out or set up? For league, not really. I mean, I don't. I think. I, yeah, I think you you had a better idea probably than I did in terms <laughs> of in playing that out. My my proposal, you know, I I thought more about how the NCAA tournament can look, but I haven't thought quite as hard no, about what I'll, the actual conference I'll, season would look. All right, so my so my plan: one bubble, play about two to three games a week. So you play. What do you, are they doing 20 games yet, or are they going to switch that this year? Is this the year to do it? I think this was the year that Mountain West was going to start doing 20, 20 games. Well, they should do it regardless, just because who knows what non-conference play will be. But think of it this way. If you play right. five games, if you play 10 games a month, that's a two-month bubble. And so, or am I, is my math right on that, correct? Ten, yes, it is. Two-month two yep. bubble. <laughs> Make a general sound like a dummy, miss it all. And so you do that. You play. Well, you got me questioning. <laughs> hey, let's make it true. So yeah, five games every 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 other week total. So you get five and ten and four weeks, twenty in a eight week period, and then you could even ease into the conference tournament the week later. So you're there for eleven weeks doing that. And again, my date was like January because what that would lead it would lead into March tournament essentially March Madness essentially. So I don't know how contracts will work for the hotels and all that stuff for Thomas and Mac Arena rental whatever it costs for there. But if you start. In, January 1, essentially, you go through all of January, all February, first week of March, and say tournament is probably two weeks later. Now, this could be split up if you wanted to, but it'd be a costly thing where you do, like we've mentioned, like during December, where your kids are off school and stuff like that. But my main idea is like just do it all in a row. 11 weeks, you're done. And then if you make that NSA tournament, you do it. I don't know what NIT, if that'll ever happen or how that'll be. But that's kind of my base idea. Just get it all done. And if there's a non-conference one, do a similar thing, but shorten it up where you may be there for a month. And if you're in a month, you could play at least eight games, maybe 10. Yeah, I mean, it seems so. – so all of that, every conference would have its own bubble then in yes. this scenario? Mm-hmm. For conference play, yeah. I see. Yeah. I mean, it seems like a reasonable amount of teams to put in one conference. Uh, the time frame, yeah, assuming, you know, if, like we, you know, on our earlier discussion, assuming everything's online, I think the time frame is fine for that. Um, you could even start maybe in December, right, yeah. when there's not school going on. Yeah, and right have, after Christmas. Yeah. You know, the second half going on. Right. So, yeah, I think you could probably pull that off and that wouldn't be – that wouldn't be too bad. And then, like you said, roll it right into the NCAA tournament by having the conference tournament at the end of the bubble. Yeah. yeah. I think that puts you on the pretty good time frame. Um because what eleven weeks is just under three months, so yeah, yeah mm-hmm. you start that in late December. Then you're going to be rolling that right into the second week of March. You're going to be hitting spring break right on the money. I think for the NCAA tournaments. There you go. So, yeah, I think time frame wise, that works out. Give everybody a little bit of a break, and then maybe have them jump into a bubble 
at that point. Um, you know, a new bubble for the NCAA tournament. Yeah, we'll get that in a minute. So what? So that's why I'm thinking. I think that's the most feasible idea. Well, besides playing typical schedules, but who knows how that would work out? Like, I don't think like mini bubbles would work. Like four teams here, six teams here. Just it's because you're too much travel going back and forth. Because again, unless that rapid testing is reliable and you get your result in 20 minutes, that's a game changer. Then, like you said, we could probably do normal basketball essentially maybe even people at the arena so the NCAA tournament i kind of did a brief synopsis in my piece i kind of went after like i think we both kind of used matt norlander's piece a little bit his basically yeah. thing was have everybody in indianapolis for and we'll, we'll get to all the different ideas where there he's there's enough he did some good research there's enough uh college campuses and he even mentioned like splitting up the uh whatever the was it lucas oil field is that the arena there in football i think the colts play Whatever oh, yeah, it, the, the football. The yeah, football. Yeah, yeah. I, the, I think that's still whatever it's called. I knew it was RCA yeah, dome. It's not the RCA. I knew it was not the Lucas, RCA dome. Yeah, it's Lucas, Oil, Lucas Oil Field now. Lucas Oil Field. Like you could put two two teams there, split it up. Because I've been to games in arenas where you can do two two setups. You put the curtain through and stuff like that, so you have a good sight line. But there's enough high school gyms that hold seven to like four to seven, maybe even nine thousand fans. If there's in there, so like a a rinky dink Orlando summer league or Vegas summer league NBA game where. The guys on the sideline, there's two feet of space <laughs> against the wall, so that that's an idea. But so, what was your thoughts going through the tournament? Because it's going to be like one big bubble, and you could truncate it a little bit if it's a typical 64 team. Because if you have one bubble, there's no reason to wait that Sunday to Thursday to play again. Yeah, I mean, if you have just the one bubble, then I I think that really um, that can speed up the tournament quite a bit, right? You don't. Like you said, you don't necessarily have to do the Thursday through Sunday, then wait Thursday through Sunday. I think you can maybe play a little bit more. You don't have to worry about, you know, teams traveling. Teams are going to be getting, uh, you know, rotation and resting and everything there. As far as, you know, seeding the 64-team tournament or 68-team, because it, it does sound like the NCAA really does want to stick to 68 teams, which could be unfortunate. I think an expanded tournament would be fun, but uh yeah, I think, you know, a 68-team tournament, that's going to be a lot of teams in a bubble, you know. I, I don't know how that's going to work. The the uh, Mark Emmert recently said that the 64-team tournament would be difficult to pull off. He said 32 in a bubble might be easier. So that's a little... Well, did you just do... You know, I'm a little... Well, you do. In that case, you do two, two bubbles... And then you give the extended time frame sure. before the Sweet 16. That's not that hard, Mark. Come on. I could do your job. Well, that part maybe. I don't right. know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't want any part of the others. Any Anything else to do with that job. <clears throat> but, yeah, I, I think I think what would, could be really cool, too, is for the NCAA to, to, to kind of take that idea, right, to do a few maybe preliminary bubbles, um, you know, one or two. Not not too many. Maybe, maybe at maximum four, right, bubbles. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and then have a little bit of a time period and then do kind of a final four weekend in Indianapolis or maybe even, you know, an elite eight weekend in Indianapolis where you've got a whole week, a big, right. Yeah. A whole week you get this big marquee thing going on there and it can be its own bubble as well. And yeah, maybe you use Lucas oil field for the final four games and then you, you use, you know, Conseco is it Conseco Fieldhouse or uh, Conseco for the uh, whatever the Pacers play? Conseco Fieldhouse, yeah. You know, you can use that for 
for the national championship or I, I don't know. I think it would be kind of cool to have some preliminary, more regional things maybe done and then have that final four there. And then, and then you don't have to worry about putting too many teams into one bubble and trying to figure out the logistics of all of that. And the NCA can get, you know, two, three, four separate events. And maybe, like you said, maybe at that time testing's available to where you can get people in those events. Yeah. And that could be really important. Right? The mm-hmm. amount I think that's gonna be something that might affect the decision making process of the NCAA here as it comes to the tournament is tickets. What can you sell? How much money are you gonna be able to make off of this? Because if you're just gonna be able to have, you know, one event are you going to want to do that central event in Indianapolis? Or are you going to want to spread that out over the country and spread that out to a few different locations where you can maybe get people coming in and, uh, you know, paying for tickets, paying for whatever fanfare things are going on there. I think that that would, because the NCAA needs to make money. That's, that's a big thing here, right? Mm-hmm. That's why they need this tournament so bad. So if they have some sort of option that would allow them to, to, put more butts in more seats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think they would definitely want to explore that option. I do, yeah. I think maybe you're right. Because like, what they could do, because I think going, they need to be flexible. Like going into May could be an option. Just because if you spread them out, like, like you're right, I think two rounds a piece could work like 64 to 32. Even the playing games can be included. This has too many people. So you do two rounds in a bubble. So you still, you still, instead of doing, the, like we mentioned, typical turnaround, where you could play, give them a couple of days off, obviously, between for whatever you do, scouting or media and stuff like that, practice. So it's a week, but then you take the week. You know I mean, it's like, so basically, the, it would be the same time frame, but the first and second rounds, the 62 down to, or 64 down to Sweet 16 teams left, or done in like 10 days. Right. But then you have a break yeah, in between, yeah, yeah. but it's still like this, you could still keep the traditional. Not weekends, but the traditional basically five weekends a tournament or four weekends a tournament where the first two weekends or first, I guess, traditional first two weekends are all right there. And then you move on at the same time. You have a big celebration for a Sweet 16 somewhere where you play everybody there. Like that could work perfectly fine and spread things out because you want to, if you go back to campus, you want to some more, we've always mentioned testing and all that stuff, getting ready, preparing travel. That could work as well. So I'm talking about this. I want to get to the fun part. What if we have only conference play? What do we do? If we have only conference, yeah. Games? If it's only your sixteen to twenty games, and, well, uh, then you have to make some decisions. I think that it would be. I think you really have to look then at and, and take a realist approach, right? And you can't. We want to say, you know, you won't be able to judge one conference against another, but I think there's historical precedents to say, look, we know that the the Big Ten is going to get more bids to the con- to the NCAA tournament than the Big South, and yeah, but do you give what two two bids per turn per conference? There's a give. There's a couple ways to look at it. I thought really quick. I'll let you wrap, finish get your thought. But I felt like I could see it could be a fun way of giving. Two, like you said, two bits per conference, and because there's what there's 32 conferences, yeah. So that would be a way. That would also give a way to highlight these other teams, or you could do conference champs only, and then like have a expanded tournament where you take maybe number two and three or something. I don't know. There's a couple ways, but I wouldn't mind like that would what that would do for me as a fan. Like that would mean 
first off, every team in there is going to be good. True. Like every team yeah. is one game. You're not going to have. Well, you always have Jim Bohan complaining about everything because he'll get third and the complaints. <laughs> there is a technical error in the protesting game to get in or something. They shouldn't have lost because officials. That will always be there even when he, when he's dead. Jim Bohan always complaining about not making the tournament. But you won't have some random 6-10 and 10 Big East Notre Dame team or whatever ACC Notre Dame team getting into the tournament because they get hot <laughs> and make it to the final just because when they're in ACC, they happen to be like UNC and Duke somehow to get to the final. But they had a bad yeah. record, and they fall to like Clemson. Just scenarios out there; those aren't realistic. But my point: it won't have some hot team. These teams will prove themselves, and it'll make the like this would be also maybe no comp, maybe still have a conference tournament where you take the champion, like the NIT, take regular season champ, you're in, and then whoever wins the tournament or finishes the highest team that doesn't win regular season gets to go. So basically, you're, you have to make it to the title game to get there, and that way you still give you may have one of those teams come out of nowhere to make a run still, but you're at least guaranteed to have a really good one team. And it would make winning the comp like the regular season vastly more valuable and more entertaining to watch because there's all these college basketball games like, okay, one and two is playing now. Who cares? They'll see each other in three weeks. They'll probably be ranked 10th and 18th. Yeah, no, I think that that's a really important thing that I think the conference champions, not like not a conference tournament champion, but you know, whoever wins the conference uh, in terms of has the best record at the end has to be the one who goes, you know, has to be guaranteed if there's no, nothing else. Cause right. The conference tournament, if it's the, or the, sorry, the conference season, if that's the only games you're playing all year, then that's got it. The, yeah, those games have to be the most important ones. Um, you know, so do it, do it like the Ivy, the PAC 12 used to do forever and don't have a tournament. Oh, that's right. Or, you know, new, don't yeah. have a tournament decide, Right. Well, yeah. Don't so don't have what uh, a a conference tournament to decide who goes to the NCAA tournament necessarily uh, as your automatic. But yeah, maybe you do give automatic to conference tournament, like you said, and then the committee only has to select, say, you know, ten or fifteen, thirty-two of them, and those selections might be a little bit clearer. And there might be a little less fighting over, oh, this team should have made it, that team shouldn't have. You, know, you might have less boohooing from Jim Beheim, like you were talking about. Yeah, or it's like, but or do the Ivy now fourteen tourney? So you still, so that could be an idea as well. Like maybe the champion is doesn't play there. It could be like kind of a soccer knockout type deal where you relegation or not, where you take two through five to play a fourteen tournament. Like that could be not so good ideal. Yeah. You, you want as many games as possible to make money and for TV and what, but like that could be idea. It's like, well, do we want to, if this is also a scenario, it's like, well, we don't want to bubble everybody again, or let's just go home. Like a poor team, like see, San Jose state's not been the best amount of us. So, okay. We're just going to head home and go do, do just, we're done. Like I could see like, why not to get, if you don't want to extend the season or schedule or money, do, do that. Your conference champs in then two through five, you play two semifinal games like the Ivy Dugs does now with one through four. And that, that quote champion goes on to the NCAA tournament. That would be fun too. Like that would make that, that, that would be really exciting. And it's different. Like again, people do weird stuff. It's time to be weird and experiment because you know what? Experimentation yeah. could lead to something vastly changing. Like I like the Elam. What's the Elam ending? Like, let's try that. Come on. Do this type of stuff. Oh, I don't know. I I'm don't just know. saying. Well, I'm not going to go that far. That's fine. Yeah, you don't have to. Well, I like what the NBA did with the uh, with the Blazers-Memphis game, or right, the Portland-Memphis play-in yeah. 
round of the playoffs, right? Where, you know, the Blazers had to win one game or Memphis had to win two. Mm -hmm. Yeah, stuff like that. Uh, you know, you could have conferences do something like that, especially somebody like, you know, the Ohio Valley Conference where, or, you know, somebody, some conference where you've got a clear one and two and then there's everybody else. It's like, yeah, maybe you want to set up your conference tournament like that in terms of how you're going to decide who goes to the, the NCAA tournament. But, yeah, there's no bad idea. It's like the reason that all these conferences have like the triple buys, essentially. <laughs> yeah. I, I like that. One other idea you brought up, which we discussed before, I'll let you kind of go over, but basically take, was it a pass? Basically, since the, t- the tournament's been to 68 teams, it's what, a decade now, essentially? Is that what? Uh, 68 teams, yeah, it's been a decade. So, it's been about, I think, 2011 was the first year. So, and it's also recent enough history. It's not historical going back to where it'll be weighted weirdly. But, like, your idea, and, like, we chatted about it, was to let's take the average tournament bids per year from that time frame, and that's what you get, essentially. Like, I know that might not yeah, be completely fair, but... Yeah, I don't know. I think at the same time, it's not completely fair to give two bids to the summit and two bids to the you know Big Ten. Yeah, either. So uh, because I think we can all objectively say there are, I think the third place Big Ten team is going to be better than the second place Summit team. You know, yeah. that's just a guess, but <laughs> I think we I can say that with some reasonable uh, level of certainty. But yeah, I think allotting the bids kind of in a similar way. It, in a, in a predetermined kind of way could be good uh, too because it gives everybody a clear focus. So maybe, you know, we say the conference season needs to matter. Well, maybe if you're in the Big Ten, then you're saying, okay, I need to finish in the top five to make the tournament. Whereas, yeah. you know, for the Summit League, I need to win the league. To Which make is the, nor- the normal, though, too. I, that's not different. Yeah, exactly. And, and, I, and I think that's fair. And I think that gives you kind of a similar... Bounds, because I think for those, you know, the Power Five leagues and the Big East and and American A10, all those leagues, you are really looking. Okay, I need to finish in this top thing. I mean, in the Big Twelve, you can go what six and twelve and still make the tournament for some reason. But mm-hmm. but in in most leagues, you do want, need to finish in the top five to to make the tournament. So I think, you know, from some of the top leagues, maybe you do take four or five teams instead of just two, whereas you only take one team from some of those lower lower tier conferences that always only send one team. Now, maybe that's a little unfair, and the NCAA has kind of made that into a self-fulfilling prophecy, but I think at the end of the day, you, you look at the talent gap, and it's, it's clear it's not it's not just something that's completely made up. It's supported by, you know, Ken Pomeroy. It's supported by all sorts of, you know, numbers that these conferences are better than the other conferences at playing basketball. And I think that doing a tournament and and pretending like that reality doesn't exist doesn't really do a a service to anybody. I don't think that's the tournament you want to put on, right? That's not the the best quality tournament. And in a year when you are trying to come back from not having a tournament, I think it's going to be important to put out a higher quality event than, uh, you know, trying to make it equitable Fair. for everybody. Well, I, I do, yeah, yeah. I, I see both things. Like you put out there the 96 team tournament, which I'm all for. So just do it more games because they may need more games. That's yeah. the thing too. It's like, again, this is a TV show made for money for college basketball. If, no, if nobody's there, like I, I honestly can't recall the last co- besides like, to go for fun, it may have been not kidding, 
Well, no, wait. I, nope, I got a media pass for that. So I was going to say NCAA tournament. I got a media pass for that in Salt Lake. So the last time I actually paid to go watch a college basketball game was probably like 15 years ago when I was dating my wife I'm like, or before we got married. I'm like, <laughs> I went to, I remember too, because like, whatever reason, I had a Utah Colorado State basketball game at the Huntsman Center. Like, I can't remember last time I, I've gone to a game just to watch for fun. I've either been working for media or my brother has a, uh, he does like a, his like a little, he has a concession business, through trip truck type thing so he had contracts with like utah byu so i'd go but you're not watching the game you're working and doing stuff selling cotton candy and popcorn to everybody so like the last time i literally bought a ticket that could be the last time i've done so <laughs> like 15 years ago at least and so for me i just watched on tv it's like for as a paying customer it's like that's how i consume it so i do like what you put out because you put the tears you put uh are you really hold on are you really giving the american five bids i'm just saying is that what they're well, <laughs> I mean, who are you going to give the five bids to? The Mountain West over the Americans? Of course not. I don't know. I'm saying no, but you are the West, the West Coast. Yeah. yeah, that's like a two. So yeah, list. so I put it. In, so I put it into f- three basic tiers. Basically, the tier one is going to be eight conferences that all get five bids apiece. Now, this is for a 96 team tournament. Do it with no conference with no non conference season at all. Love it. Um. So yeah, so those would be the Big Ten, the Atlantic Ten, the ACC, the Big East, the Pac-12, the American, the Big 12, and the SEC. And then you've got like kind of those higher tier mid-major conferences like the Mountain West, the West Coast, Missouri Valley, Ivy, Ohio Valley, all those. They would all get three bids each to this. And then the last 16 conferences, uh, they would all get two bids a pop. And all of the conference champions would immediately go into the like uh, the second round and there'd be a qualifying round for all the at-large teams mm-hmm. who didn't win their conference. Each conference could determine what that means to be the champion. You know, do you want to have a tournament? Do you just want it to be the regular season? Whatever. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, you have kind of a qualifying round and then you have... The champions. All of the conference champions. Yeah, all of the champions advance into, you know, the round of 64. Um, so, you know, they're you're not losing conference champions before the, the, the actual tournament, you know, begins. Mm-hmm. But that can kind of determine who your at-large bids are. And, yeah, I mean, I think it would be kind of fun. I, I know <laughs> when Matt Norlander for uh, CBS Sports wrote his piece – on different tournament formats he said you know by all means don't go to 96 teams you know in all caps yeah i saw but, that you put that in there hey a know, one-year it, experiment it, go for it man one year come on that's exactly. oh that's what he says yeah one year i you know i wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily propose expansion in any other year but hey this is a crazy time and so you might need a, an idea and again, you like like we've said, we didn't have a tournament last year. NCAA needs money; they need fans, whether that's viewers or whether that's uh, you know actual people in attendance. An expanded tournament could do that. And if you have multiple bubbles, if you have you know more expanded testing or more rapid testing, I think those are things that could definitely help this. But but yeah, I think allotting the tournament bids to conferences based on past performance i i I think that makes the most sense and i think that's much more fair than wiping the slate completely clean and pretending like these programs haven't been doing anything the last you know five ten years and it's hard to judge like if it's non-conference or excuse me if it's conference only like i mentioned the football thing that's hard to pick out football is only four and half the teams aren't playing but it would be hard, like, like we mentioned before, like if you're undefeated in this league, are you really that good? But this way, 
like there are times that ACC whatever gets like nine or ten bids. Like, well, this one year, sorry, we're doing different and to make up games. I like it too. You take every, you would take the thirty-two champions. They're in no matter what, and then you have another. Was it sixty-four teams play? You tier it one. You, however you seed it, but you'd still make it where if you're the number five ACC team, you're probably going to move on. You're probably playing maybe it could be a number two Northeast Conference team or something. Like it's still the tournament still wouldn't be wonky and have all these one bid leagues in the round of 64. It'll probably look like a normal tournament with a couple weird weird teams in there, like Northern Illinois or some random like Missouri Valley team, Northern <laughs> Iowa that's on the bubble cusp to get in. Maybe not you and I, but you know maybe Creighton or something. Well, I guess they're Big East, but you know I mean Illinois, like Sister Jean, who's still kicking around with us, which is awesome. Like that team, Illinois, Illinois Chicago would play uh USC would get in because they're like a the third team in their comp what are they Missouri Valley? So they would they're get Missouri Valley. So yeah. let's say they're the third team so, and they, they're literally on the bubble to get in. Or if we look at a third Mountain West team, they might get in just because they played a number two American and somehow slipped by because it's a reasonable opponent. So the field of sixty four wouldn't look all that different than it does now. You'll see the same cast of characters, the same teams. There might be I'd go maybe on one hand. Well, that's a weird team, but so is everybody else. If you're after that mix, you know what I mean? It's not like it's a, a te- again, it's not a team that was winless in conference play that swept the tournament somehow to get in. You wouldn't have that. This would protect good teams, avoid teams getting hot and still give a good representation of the conferences that deserve more bids than the Atlantic sun compared to the sec. Right. And that was kind of the idea when I was throwing this together was, to okay, also account for yeah, you'll give a, a few extra shots to each conference, or you know, one extra shot to each conference mm-hmm. at least. But you're not doing that in some sort of you're you're doing it in a proportional way, and you're doing it in a way that you know, yeah, it's going to allow for s- some of that magic to still come in, but uh, not all of it. Uh, sorry, I just got a <laughs> something on my uh, my end here. Just a second, I'm having some technical issues. No problem. I'll keep going. But like, this would be fun to do. That's my point. This would be. I would love to see it because they want to make up games. They need games from last year. Like, I don't know how much more money they could get from this, but you would think they'd get their normal payout plus whatever they can negotiate with CBS or maybe even put some games on ESPN or something. I don't know because maybe that there's no NIT. Maybe give ESPN and ABC those games because that's who typically airs those type of games. And so that's how I could. Uh, See what's going on. Where okay, you got the '96 uh, team tournament here. We'll give you the we'll give the NIT the first round and everything. But then everything else goes to CBS Turner. The one time True TV needs to tweet out, "Hey, here's our channel. We got a practical jokers and the NSA tournament <laughs> on our thing." And they're starting to make fun of it, but sure. that could be a way as well to get done. Like ESPN gets their gets better games. Well, I'm a better, but they'd get. I guess people think, "Hey, it's the NSA tournament." Then there'd be no NIT. I I I don't think they'll do it, but I think what it comes down to, and I do like how you put through, like you go through qualifying brackets, definitely go read this piece, folks. It's pretty good how they set up, like you get West Coast 2 versus Mountain West 3, like American 3 versus WAC 2, Pac-12 versus Big Sky Champ, like in, what's the tournament? Like it's a, this is really well thought out, and it's a fun kind of imagine what it could be. And if, if there's zero, if, like if there happens to be no non-conference play, I think they should go this type of route. Maybe not even, okay, maybe not 96, even though we'd like it, but they would have to do some weighted system to get 
which they'd want to as well to get better teams in there that are not better, you know, I mean, more deserving teams and not make it, oh, you're at Division One college basketball, you get in no matter what for your second team. Yeah, and I think for, for the last, you know, however long since the selection committee has been, you know, uh, in in process and how you've had to, you know, kind of build an at-large resume, you don't, you're not going to be able to do that same kind of at-large resume building type of scheduling in a, in a season with no non-conference games. You just can't. So I think it moves the goalposts for what it means to be a tournament-eligible team. So changing the eligibility for the tournament, I think, makes sense this year, you know, in, in a year when you don't have a non-conference season. So I think by even setting up the tournament to where it's a predetermined bracket and and teams need to finish in a certain place to make a certain spot in the bracket, I think that's great. I think it's great to give teams a rubric that says, clearly, if you finish fifth in your conference and you're in this conference, you're going to go to this spot. You'll be in this bubble and you'll play this team. I think that that's great to give a clear path to the tournament, uh, to give teams an idea of what they need to do. Now, whether that takes some of the magic out of right the the selection process, whether we'll have a good selection Sunday, sure, maybe it'll take a little bit out. Of I don't that, care. I honestly, I, I don't watch selection Sunday. I'm like, give I, me the bracket. I don't care because half the time it's just like, whatever. See, we 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 differ there. I I, I love. I'll watch Sunday. it. I know I, I do. I know I do like it, but my, I'm like I'm not sitting through the whole hour to do it. So I'm like. They did better – well, no, actually, year before when they kind of tweaked it. Like it's not a bad thing, but <laughs> it's the way they do it is questionable for a TV watching experience. I like to see when they come through. Yeah. But my point being, present the – well, let me rephrase that. The way they present the bracket, let's do alphabetical. I'm like, come on. No, nobody cares. No, that was a, that was a travesty. The, the alphabetical thing was awful. I, I can I'm glad get, they went away from yeah, that. I get I, – like – if we were going to get on this now, like a way, a good way to do it, I don't recall what happened two years ago because that was like 10, 10 apparently, but what a good way to do it would be like, I think this would be a cool idea. You, anybody who's a automatic bid, you show up, I don't know, they show, or give it to me simple. Give me the bracket and that's it. Like go, here's West region one, 16, eight, nine. You know what I mean? But if you want to do a unique yeah. way, you could, you could show up like, all right, here's all the, uh, maybe exclude the number one seeds. Like here's all the automatic qualifiers. Here's their seat. And he popped them up on the screen. That would be that's almost like alphabetical, but at least you kind of look. Oh wait, my team's a seven seed. You don't put their re. You, I, I that could be interesting. Like oh, I'm a seven seed. I'm a nine seed. I'm a four seed. And then they go through that large. I don't know. There's a few different ways to do it. that are quirky, but I think for this, keep it simple and go forward. But I, who cares if it takes the magic out of it? It's like you no, know, you know what the magic is seeding the tournament. Just because you know you're in doesn't take away the uh, the mystique of saying you're playing this team. That's still out there because that's because yeah. uh, the way you put it, I'm, I'm thinking, well, if they know this beforehand, do I really want to be the AC three and play AC on two, or do I? Or I definitely don't want to be AC four versus Big right. five because yeah. that's a tough challenge. You exactly. can have some great some people tanking. Yeah, tanking, tossing games. But I think I think for me, the seeding is what I like more than who gets in the tournament for the most part, unless it's like we're covering our Mountain yeah. West, like oh, we're getting UNLV in, or is San Diego State getting that third bid, or Utah State? Like that's fun to look for. I just honestly, I like give me the bracket, give me who's playing where. I like more figuring out who the matchup is rather yeah, well, than I don't, who's in. I guess. Yeah, and I, I honestly, I, I do bracketology stuff right throughout the mm-hmm. season. I'll give you know projections throughout the year, but I, I would give that up. You know, it, it means <laughs> that there will 
time consuming man. tournament at the end of the year even if it's predetermined yeah. even if well sure and even if but i'm just saying like i would be willing to sacrifice you know analytics and bracketology stuff just for a season with a tournament at the end of it even if it's all you know a predetermined bracket so there's no reason to do bracketology projections or anything like that i don't care that's fine it doesn't matter I just want to see a, a season, yeah. uh, you know, that keeps everyone safe and that has a, a cool March Madness tournament at the end of it. Yeah, get everybody that in there. Be, that's what I'm looking for. The only bracketology would be just like who plays who, but that's. But then again, you could just go ahead and break one through ninety six and be done with it, and go that way. But no, it's sure, right. Or then it, you know, maybe your bracketology is actually going and saying who's going to win the games, not just who's going to be in them. Exactly. <laughs> so what? Let's wrap up here really quick. What do you think? Like the NCAA tournament? Do you think it's just going to be a traditional sixty eight team bracket? Not traditional, but I mean, just the teams in there. Is that how they're going to probably... I think think so. I think we're going to end up doing... I'm going to take a little bit of an optimist uh, stance on this. I'm going to say that the March tournament is going to go off kind of as planned. It might look a little different than normal, but I'm hoping by then, you know, we'll have the ability to rapidly test. We might have to do a bubble situation for it, but I do think that... There is going to be a tournament in March. Uh, I think it probably will have 68 or fewer teams. I don't think expanding is probably all that likely, even though I think it would be fun and maybe more equitable, depending on what kind of season we have. But yeah, I know. I think I think we will have a tournament in March because I think the NCAA desperately wants, you know, feels that they Needs. need to have no, one. They, so I think they have to pull out all the stops. Yeah. So I think they're going to pull out all the stops to make that happen, whatever that looks like. I think as well what's going to happen is, because things are changing by the day, and I could be wrong, but I think what ultimately the whole season will look like, there will be some sort of regional bubbles throughout the year to play some non-conference games. And then all these leagues that want to play, again, if you can't play or can't afford to do it, I guess you don't play this year. It sucks. But also with everybody getting eligibility back, it's not the end of the world because I can play next year for a freshman and don't lose that year. So I think well, it'll... I get it, but I I don't think Sorry. that's like a worst case scenario. But I'm just saying, if you can't afford to do it, I don't want to say you're out of luck. But I'm just saying, maybe. The other thing to think about too is that you know the college basketball model for so long has been you you always play your non conference and then you always play your conference. But in football, you see teams play non conference games later in the season mm-hmm. too. So you could see teams, you know, the Pac twelve or the Ivy, if they don't play non conference games in twenty twenty still, they might still be able to shoehorn a few in in, you know, February or something like that against, you know, Big West or, you know, Northeast Conference teams, you know, fit a couple games in there to make up for that. So you might still be able to see teams from yeah. those conferences where the leagues have said we're not playing in 2020, they still might even be able to figure out how to schedule some non-conference stuff later to make that that's work. That's a good point. Too. I think, yeah, if that's the case, like hopefully by then stuff's improved, but like what I could see, you don't want them crisscrossing the country, but you're right, like Utah, like just say Pac-12, Utah can play BYU. They're down the road. Utah could play like, all these in-state schools to get a – like, okay, it may not be – like who – Baylor know. and Gonzaga. Yeah, well, that's cross-country, but still. But the point, yeah, maybe if one of those – in a bubble, like say that, like because I think Gonzaga, West Coast, haven't decided either. But like, if we just go Pac-12, and they want to get some games in January or whenever they do, maybe they start their bubble a few weeks later. Like, I would think you'd want to get at least five non-conference games in there, just so you have something that's different. And if you're University of Utah, where I'm at, you could play your. You got Utah State, you got BYU, you got Utah Valley. You could even go down to Southern mm-hmm. Utah. They're in Utah State, like the different ends of the state. But it's that's all driving distance. 
If you want to make it one yeah. simple game right there, you could definitely do that. Well, now, you got, now you got Dixie State too. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. They moved up as well. Yeah, they're down south by by okay. Southern Utah. So like, if you get a hand, especially if you're in Southern California, you got plenty of teams. You got San Diego State, maybe big uh, Long Beach State, uh, San Diego. You have uh, Pepperdine. Plenty of schools to play each other somewhere in the uh, North North Bay area as well. So. That could be a possibility, yeah. but yeah, I forgot those two leagues for a moment. But I think the majority of college basketball is going to be do a non do some sort of non conference bubble, and then have one big conference bubble. So you have two, and then the tournament will be. I'm agreeing with you. It'll be mostly what we look like. It'll probably be. I could see it being pushed back till April, just because you might need the extra time. But I think sure. that I think it's just going to be a as sort of what we see selection whatever day will be almost typical what we see. Yeah, probably. All right, so let's wrap it up here. Right, we're going to talk about our all-decade team, but, uh, yeah, we screwed up without Jordan Caroline. Apologies to you. You would have made the team somewhere. Um, if you missed it, go look at it. Yeah, Nico Carvaccio, we missed one or two guys. Apologies, it's a 10-year thing. It happens, okay? We're not... It happens. Here's the thing Matt Carnelier always says. If you want us to do an ex- exceptional job, let's make everybody could be like this full-time work to do. Then we'll take the time and consideration. Not that we don't. But we would make definitely make sure things are done properly that in that way. So, <laughs> just saying, like anybody out there listening wants to do more, wants to be better at it. It's 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 like it's realistic. Like we have other stuff we do as well, and we miss one or two things here, and it happens. But like, if well, you, sure. But hey, we're always hiring too, right? You exactly. Know, so. <laughs> we we would like to be scooped up by somebody or come over and help us. We can offer a couple of pizzas here and there. <laughs> Sure, yeah, you think you can do a better job. Come on on. <laughs> but we did the all-decade team, and, like, it was fun. We yeah. all voted on it. Um, go read it. Go take a look at it. We've gone long enough. Because if we start talking about this, we might talk another half hour and yeah, think, yeah, think yeah. we're done. So That's a whole new show. You got Kawhi. You got Jimmer. You got other guys on there. You got some pretty good some pretty good teams on there, players on there. So we'll be back at some point for a basketball show. Some Maybe, maybe we'll do some team previews, perhaps. We'll figure something out that. But, uh we don't know what college about. Bubble special. Yeah, that's right. The bubble special. That's right. Can we get in the bubble? Can the, can we get that re- arranged from somebody? <laughs> we'll see. But I heard it's expensive out there at Disney World. Cause I know one guy covers Lakers. He's out there. It's like, yeah, I don't know how they're doing it, man, but it's Lakers, so we're going. <laughs> so he's yeah, out there yeah. covering the team there right now. So, but yeah, um, check us out, MWR.com. We have our 5 for 5 basketball series. So that's always timeless. So go check that out. You and uh, Larry did a bunch on that. Definitely go read the 96-team extravaganza tournament wish list. Cross our fingers. Make it happen one year only, please. One year only. One <laughs> well, year only. Yeah, exactly. One year. But we'll be we're, – we're kicking around. We'll do some some other random stuff we're working on on the football side. We'll mix that into basketball because it's fun. But, yeah, check us out, mwwire.com, wherever you get the podcast. Subscribe to that as well. And, yeah, if you enjoyed the show, tell a friend or two, and we'd appreciate it.